Hey everybody, happy Sunday. Sunday service is live as it always is every week, 7 p.m. Arizona time. And today by special request, we're gonna be talking specifically about tax depreciation, which I think is probably one of the most boring topics of all time, unless you are actually making money. And so I look at other people that are talking about it and why people don't talk about it. And it comes down to that one thing. People don't talk about stuff that is boring or not important to them at the time. And um, as you start getting into this world of real estate investing, you start reala realizing how critically important corporate structuring, LLC structuring, uh, tax structuring, tax strategy really, really becomes. Because a lot of times, like I look at guys, I have, you know, I have this um, artist that's painting this backdrop and I have an artist painting this whole wall. And this artist, Jay Valentine, incredible, incredible guy, talking about all these rappers that he does artwork for and how they're making two, three, four million dollars a month. But at the end of the day, they pay half of it, you know, to taxes. They don't have anything to invest because they're living, you know, they got 50 people on payroll and all this kind of stuff. I just finished talking to him about this. And I'm just like, wow, these guys like instead of giving that money to the IRS, they could be building cash flowing assets. So at some point they they don't turn into a Scotty Pippen from the Chicago Bulls, if anybody knows that story or other famous athletes, but none of them buy real estate. And so they just pay all this money to taxes. So we're going to jump into um, why you should care about it first and foremost. So um, that's where I want to start. I want to start with why you should care about uh, not paying the taxes. Now, do I not pay, do I pay zero taxes? No, I pay plenty of taxes. I pay a different type of tax than what you guys probably think I would pay. I don't pay um, income tax is what we're primarily gonna talk about today. So number one, do I pay consumption tax? What's a consumption tax? Who knows what consumption tax is, guys? Give, show me in the chat. Consumption tax is when I go down and I buy a car or I buy um, whatever I buy, right? Stick of gum, something at the grocery store. I pay, I pay, pay sales tax. So I get, just had somebody on my uh, TikTok tell me that I'm a tax evader because I don't pay taxes. And I'm like, dude, I pay plenty of tax. Okay, what about this? Employment tax. Do you guys know that just being an employer, when you have employees, I have to pay matching taxes? to pay taxes just for the right to have an employee. Do you know that? Do you know that I get taxed as a business owner just to have an employee work for me? And this is why a lot of business owners have gone the route of basically 1099 their employees so they don't have to freaking pay the employment tax. So I, play, I pay plenty of tax. What's another tax that I pay is I pay state property taxes. I probably pay more money in state property taxes than most people make in a year. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, think about my, I have one Atlanta property, one property. I pay $700 a month in taxes. I have multiple Texas properties. Texas state um, property taxes are crazy. I have multiple properties out there that I'm paying seven, $700, $800 a month on just one property. Okay. So I, I pay, you guys all agree, I pay plenty of money in taxes, consumption tax, employment tax, state property taxes. I pay plenty 
plenty, plenty of money. I do. I pay very little self-employment tax, but I do pay a, I do pay some self-employment tax. It's very little. I only pay myself a very small amount of money. The amount of money I pay myself every year is $35,000. That's it. Okay. A lot of people that don't have employees, they don't know this. So it's really frustrating when you get an employee that wants a raise after being with you 90 days and you're like, what the hell, man? Like, do you not know it actually cost me money from the government to even employ you? It's crazy. A lot of people don't, didn't know that. So at the end of the day, what am I trying to, to avoid? Am I trying to get rid of employment tax? Am I trying to get rid of sales tax? Am I trying to get rid of state property taxes, state employment taxes? No, I am not. I'm not trying to get rid of any of that stuff. I pay plenty of money in taxes, okay? Now, yes, Daryl Ellison says, you, that's what you pay yourself net? Yes, that's what I pay myself net. That, that goes to my personal bank account. Now, Daryl, you're a student of mine, so you should know this. Um, I have um, about five Zooms that I did all about corporate structure, how I pay myself, what my LLCs look like, my um, living trust, my holding company, where the money flows, all that kind of stuff. Go back and watch those Zooms that I did in the private mentorship. They're unbelievable, okay? Unbelievable. So here's what's interesting. If I'm a wholesaler, who's a wholesaler in here? Give me a yes, give me a no, give me a yes, give me a no. What, who, who's a wholesaler in here? I'm going to tell you what the average wholesaler I know pays, okay? The average wholesaler that I personally know in my network is making about three dollars to $400,000 a year, okay? Somewhere in there. People that are in my circle are making that much money, and that's, I, I shouldn't say it's take-home, it's take-home before taxes, okay? That's what their, their that's what their paycheck is. All right. So if I'm making three to four hundred thousand dollars a year, now same thing with my buddies that are fixing flippers. They go do, you know, five, six, seven, eight flips a, a year. They're all kind of making three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars a month. You know, that's their paycheck, I should say, to themselves. So if you're in that, if you're in that world, if you're in that world of three to four hundred thousand dollars a month or a year, I apologize then you're going to be paying somewhere around, depending on where you live, your age, your, you know, your, maybe your wife's income, your, your husband's income, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of things to consider. So remember, I'm not a tax advisor. I just am living through this. I have tax advisors, et cetera, but I'm not a tax advisor. So remember, I'm, these are kind of roundabout numbers. So if I'm making three to $400,000, whether I'm fixing and flipping or whether I'm wholesaling, it doesn't matter for this example. This is what I see a lot of my buddies doing. They'll cut a check to the IRS for anywhere between $100,000 to $200,000 per year, okay, in income tax. Okay. Now, I currently have, and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you guys because this is a path I wish somebody told me, but I currently have 16 streams of income. Okay. And I can tell you I make far more than three or four hundred thousand dollars a year, far, far, far more money than three to four hundred thousand dollars a year. Again, I'm not bragging. I'm trying to just, you know, we're walking down the jungle, and I'm the person in front chopping down the, you know, I've got the machete. I'm chop, chopping down the jungle to hopefully help you guys follow the path a little bit easier. I have 16 streams of income. So if a, a buddy of mine is doing fix and flip, okay, and he's paying a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in income taxes. And I go make way more money than that, way more. 
Okay. I I make way more money than that. And I paid how much money in, in income taxes last year? How is that possible? A self-directed IRA is good for a nine to five employee. Okay. 401ks, self-directed IRAs are good for nine to five employees. They're not good for investors. If you're investing on the side, yes, there's benefits to self-directed IRAs and 401ks, et cetera. But no, I paid $0 in taxes last year, the year before, year before, et cetera. How do I do that? The number one way that I do that is one word. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. The number one way I do this is one word. What's the word? The word is depreciation. Okay. So we're, that's what we're going to be talking about today is how do I make far more money than a regular wholesaler? Yes, we wholesale. Yes, we fix and flip. Yes, we buy and hold. Yes, we have we own title companies. We own all sorts of other things, virtual assistant businesses. We own all sorts of things. But how can I pay this much money in taxes and my buddies are sitting there next to me paying way more money in taxes than I am? The reason being is because of depreciation. And I'm going to tell you guys how this little cheat code of depreciation, it's not even a cheat code. Look it up. It's in the IRS regulations. Okay. The IRS, it was, and by the way, the tax code was rewritten in 2017 to allow for something we're going to talk about today called bonus depreciation. And you guys are going to have a lot of fun with that. Okay. This is one of the things that Trump did really, really well. Not that I'm a Trump supporter or a hater at all, but he did do a couple of things really, really well for real estate investors. And he rewrote the tax code in 2017 and he added something called bonus depreciation. Okay. Depreciation is capped. So we're going to talk about all that stuff, Horacio. We're going to talk about all that stuff, 100%. Okay? So let's say, hypothetically, that Pace makes a million dollars a year. I do make more money than that, but let's just say that I do make a million dollars a year just for math purposes. How much money am I going to pay minimum in taxes? I'm going to pay somewhere probably around $430,000 in income tax. Okay. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. $430,000. Are you kidding me? Do we feel like the government can manage this $430,000 better than I can manage this this $430,000? I think not. So essentially what happens is the IRS and the government says, hey, you know what? You actually are better at, as a real estate investor, you are better at managing that money than we are. And one thing that we really, really need is we need affordable housing. We need to incentivize real estate investors to go get more affordable housing, rental units, mobile homes, uh, apartment buildings, all that kind of stuff. So they incentivize us through depreciation to go and build and rent out affordable housing. Okay. So here's what happens. Instead of me giving that money to the IRS, and this is why subject to and seller finance are so powerful. By the way, do you guys want to know something crazy? We're going to talk about uh, something that just came out. Um, I'm going to text. I'll, I'll pull this up with Cody so you guys don't have to see my text with Cody. But I was texting Cody about something that we've been talking to, about for a couple of months. Um, and it's just hit the news waves. Very crazy. Um, it's all about now... 
what's happening is the government stepped in and they are making it more and more challenging for people to own, check this out. They're gonna make it so incredibly hard for you guys. If you're using the Burr strategy, this is why I think Burr sucks, okay? If you are utilizing the Burr strategy, I think you're dumb. Look at this, just came out March 16th, 2021. Peter Warden talks about a brand new rule that just came out. This is not about taxes necessarily, but this is kind of leads into why subject to and seller finance is far superior. So check this out. A new rule puts extra risk on, uh, on lenders because they could be left with loans that nobody wants to buy. Well, how much higher? Check it out. They're adding 2.25% of the loan on all non-primary residence purchases. So if I buy, if I go and buy a property and I utilize a, a bank, right? If I go down to a bank, guess what I'm having to pay? I'm paying an extra 2.25%, okay? I'm paying an extra 2.25%. So if it's a $500,000 house, that's another what is that? That's uh, $12,500 or $12,000 uh, amount of money. You also, you could bypass that, but then they're going to charge you an extra 2% on your interest rate. They're going to kill people. They're going to kill people on the birth strategy. Going to kill people on the birth strategy. So one of the major, major reasons why I love sub two and seller finance is because I don't need to deal with any of that crap, right? I can go and take over really inexpensive homes, Subject to seller finance, et cetera. Okay. That just came out, guys. Um, a lot of, and a lot of people are going to be talking about that. And I'm going to be doing a ton of YouTube videos all about how crappy that is. So we're coming back to this. The IRS wants us to, okay. They want us to, they want to incentivize real estate investors to help the government out with affordable housing, because that's not something the government's really particularly good at. So what they do is they give us multiple ways to depreciate our property. So today we're going to talk about what depreciation is. Okay, what is it? Now, there are people in my um, mentorship program that are like, Pace, we've heard this before. Get to the juicy stuff. I promise you we will get to the juicy stuff. So what is it? That's number one. Number two, we're going to talk about straight line. Sorry for my handwriting, guys. I'm trying to go fast so you don't lose interest. Straight line depreciation. We're going to talk about bonus depreciation. We're going to talk about cost segregation. Oh my gosh, some people are like, Pace, I do not want to even hear these words. They're so hard to understand. I promise you guys, I'll make them easy to understand. And then finally, we're going to talk about tax depreciation recapture. There's always somebody in the crowd that is going to ask the question, what about the recapture? Right? What about the recapture? Okay. No, um, Ronit... Rohit Das, wouldn't this also apply to the SIR strategy? No, why would it? The SIR strategy has an existing loan in place, right? The S for SIR strategy says is for subject to or seller finance. So am I originating a new loan? Am I going and applying for a new loan that the government would need to get involved in on that? The answer is no, I am not. So therefore, I am not subject to that 2.25% interest rate, okay? <laughs> there's always a guy. Look, there's always somebody that asks about the recapture. Check out the screen, guys. Aronov. Aronov. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I apologize. 
But yes, no, Rohit. This is, I, I don't want to get sidetracked with the comments. You guys keep commenting, but I'm going to not, try not to get sidetracked. Here's the SIR strategy. Here's what it stands for. Subject to or seller finances, the S. Rehab, rent, repeat. There is not a fourth R because I do not need to refinance. Why would I need to refinance if I already have an existing 3% seller finance loan or a 0% seller finance loan or a 2% seller finance loan? Why would you ever refinance that? Right? Why would you ever refinance that? You won't. So don't, don't worry about that. You don't, you don't use the, a refinance when you buy subject to and seller finance very rarely. So again, guys, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what is depreciation. We're going to talk about straight line depreciation, bonus depreciation, cost segregation. I promise my handwriting does not look like this normally. And then we're going to touch on tax depreciation recapture and how to avoid that, what it is and how to avoid it. Okay. I promise you we will get to all this stuff. So number one, first and foremost, what is depreciation? Well, it's the IRS saying, look, you've got this house here, right? You bought this house, could be anything, could be an apartment complex, could be a commercial building, could be a single family home. But today we're going to talk primarily about single family home because that's what I primarily buy. Okay. So I buy a single family home and let's say that the median household price of most homes are probably around $250,000. But what's going to happen? Actually, I'm going to make this really simple for math for you guys. Okay. I'm going to say that this is $275,000. Okay. $275,000. What's cool is the IRS says, look, we think that all properties every 27 and a half years, somebody's always going to ask, where does this 27 and a half years come from? The 27 and a half years comes from the IRS. It's an algorithm they put together. And they say that after 27 and a half years, you will have to remodel 100% of that home. And essentially, that means that you can write off 100% of the value of the home when you purchased it over the course of 27 and a half years. Where does the 27 and a half years come from, guys? The IRS came up with that through an algorithm of their own. That's all I know. That's all any CPA has ever been able to tell me. That's where the 27 and a half years comes from. So what's cool is that you can do straight line depreciation. Let's, let's talk about what depreciation is. It means I can take a portion of this purchase price or what the value of the home was when I bought it. And over 27 and a half years, I can take 100% of that value against my income, right? As a write-off. So let's say year one, I get how much money? Let's take it. Somebody divide. It's very simple. Now you'll know why I did the purchase price of 275000 the purchase price is $275,000. Type it in your calculator and divide it by 27.5. Very simple math. How much money? Edgar Trios, Trigos is never on the market value. The depreciation is always on your purchase price plus what you immediately put into the property. Okay? So the IRS is going to give you $10,000 on straight line depreciation for 27 and a half years. So what that means, so pay attention to this. This is why this is beneficial. So that means I can go over here. Let's say there's Pace right here and Pace owns two businesses, okay? One is he has one rental property that's worth $275,000 in one business. 
And then he also has a wholesale business where he only does one wholesale deal every single year. And his average wholesale fee is $10,000. Well, what's cool is I would normally have to pay taxes on this $10,000, right? And because of all my other businesses I own, right, all over the place, my tax rate on that $10,000 would probably be about $4,300 in real taxes. That's cash that would leave my freaking pocket off that $10,000 assignment fee, okay? So when you guys are out here trying to wholesale, pay attention to this because you're, you have taxes. Every time you get an assignment fee, you have taxes that you have as a burden. But what's cool is because I went over here and I bought this house right here, subject to or seller finance, because you're an idiot if you do the burr. I bought this subject to or seller finance. Guess what I get? The IRS gives Pace a credit of negative $10,000 for that property. Remember, where did the $10,000 come from? It came from this. I bought the house for $275,000. The IRS will give me a straight line depreciation for 27 and a half years. So I took it and I divide 275 by 27.5. And there's my magic $10,000. Guess what? That means every year for the next 27 and a half years, I can wholesale one property and pay $0 in tax because this $10,000 depreciation credit goes against my $10,000 gain. And therefore, in the IRS's mind, I made how much money? I made $0.00. Therefore, there is no ability to tax that $10,000. Okay. So somebody asked, how do you write off your depreciation in your rental company and use that against wholesale income if you operate out of two LLCs? Well, because everything comes up to you in what is called a K-1. So let's say there's Pace and Pace owns LLC here, LLC here, LLC here, right? These are all individual LLCs. When you get a tax return from your LLC, guys, it's not called what you would call it as a as an um, employee, you get a document called a K-1, okay? Every single LLC will give you a K-1. So these K-1s all come up to you, right? All the K-1s come up to you and you add up all these K-1s. So you say one, one is negative 10,000, one is plus 4,000, one is plus 3,000, right? You just add up all the K-1s. Okay. I just, you add up all the K1s and that's how that works out. Does that make sense to you? It's very simple. Very, very simple. I wish somebody would actually explain it this way. I've looked on YouTube multiple times. It took me years and years and years to actually understand that. So for us, I think I have a total of, I think we have 38 LLCs right now. Feels like we're creating a new one or two every single month. That means how many K1s do I get? I get, KD, I get 31 K1s. And all of these have an income statement, right? They all have, show, they show how much money I made. Those K-1s all balance each other out to ultimately file, I only file one return. Pace Morby himself only files one single return with 38 K-1s. So Facebook user, um, oh, my, my wife is teasing me on here. That's funny. So guys, hopefully that makes sense. So that's what we call straight line depreciation. So for all of you wholesalers out there that are making these $10,000 assignment fees in your wholesale operation, 
guess what freaking happens? You knuckleheads are going to pay ta- $4,300 in taxes on that money because, well, not so much. I mean, you've got to be at a pretty high tax bracket, but minimum, you're going to pay $2,200 on this $10,000 assignment fee if you don't own property. So what's cool about this is while most wholesalers are out there paying these fees, when Cody and myself, my wife, she's on the live stream, by the way, we go out and we fix a flip, fix and flip a property. We just made money on a Mesa Drive property. We made $125,000 net just about two, three weeks ago. Can you believe that I will pay $0 in taxes on that? And the reason being is because one of my LLCs, which is a fix and flip LLC, might make, I would say this year we'll probably make $800,000 to a million dollars in that one LLC. All I need to do is buy enough properties in another LLC to balance out that income. So I can go make a million dollars in fixing and flipping without paying any taxes, utilizing depreciation. Now, if you want to get really nitty gritty on this, if you guys want me to get really nitty gritty and we'll go super deep, I'll jump into the calculation and how I look at certain things, okay? How I have to look at my own income and I say, oh man, I got to go buy four properties this month or else I got to pay taxes, right? So this cool one property, if I'm just starting out, having one property will simply allow me to go and do one assignment fee per year tax-free. How cool is that? How freaking cool is that? Now, there's way cooler levels to all of this stuff. And you guys can see Noah Hoffman's in the group. Noah Hoffman personally himself manages my um, Airbnbs. And I'm going to show you guys how utilizing tax depreciation can actually build your Airbnb portfolio. The property that um, Noah just set up for me in Dallas, Texas, just a, um, about two weeks ago, that property was purchased seller finance and the down payment came from money that I would have given to the IRS last year if I didn't use depreciation. So basically the IRS didn't require me to pay income tax last year. I used the money that they would have charged me if a depreciation wasn't a legal thing. And I used that money to buy more cash flowing assets. And this is how the rich keep getting richer. And the problem is a lot of people will say stuff like, why didn't I learn this in high school? Why didn't I learn this in college? Well, the reality is most people don't know this. And it's because most people don't give a crap. Most people just want to live their lives working five days a week, actually four days a week, and only working four hours of those four days a week, wondering why their boss is making all the money. Well, the reality is their boss is waking up early, reading books, hiring CPA after CPA after CPA, going to a mastermind, learning this, learning that, to finally break into a world where you find these things out and you go, wow, why didn't anybody teach, teach me this? And the people that are there teaching go, dude, we've been waiting for you to show up this whole time. If somebody actually went into high school and taught, taught this stuff, people would fall asleep. It doesn't actually pertain to you until you start making money. You don't care about these things until it actually impacts you. So that's why it's not, not has nothing to do with race, has nothing to do with demographic, has nothing to do with where, where your school is or any of that trash. I myself would not have paid attention to this in high school. I promise you that. So they're not going to teach it to somebody. I mean, shit, they can't get high schoolers to, to do their homework as it is. You think throwing depreciation on top of them is going to get anybody to listen? No. 
So we have to go learn these things ourselves. It's written in the tax code. And the unfortunate thing is the tax code was rewritten in 2017 by, by Trump. So this isn't something that doesn't change. It changes. So you got to do your homework. You have to, instead of reading whatever other books, you have to read tax books. You have to read how, what is my strategy to avoid paying this tax so I can continue to build my legacy. You have to do these things. Okay. Now, um, is Wyoming good for an LLC? So Stanley, this is a common thing. This is something I talk about. I just did six weeks of straight corporate uh, structuring and I'll be really brief on this. I won't show you guys my whole structure. Actually, I won't even pull this up. My students will be pissed. Um, I was going to show, show you guys my whole corporate structure, but I, somebody will take a screenshot and it'll you know be life-changing for people. My students will be like, dude, that should be just inside the mentorship. So if you're inside my mentorship, you know that the corporate structuring Zooms alone are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Legacy building information. It's amazing, amazing stuff. But we're not going to talk about that today. Maybe we'll talk about some of that stuff in the future. So what we just talked about, we understand now, guys, what depreciation is. We're done with that. Everybody understands what depreciation is, right? It's the IRS incentivizing us as real estate investors to go out and buy more properties so that we can build more affordable housings, more affordable housing for the American population. All right. The IRS, this is written in the IRS code. It is law. This is not avoiding taxes. This is not a loophole. This is sitting there waiting for you to actually take advantage of it. Okay. Now, if you guys go look up Tom Wilwright, write that name down. Tom Wilwright, amazing book. He has a book called Tax Free Wealth. It's not one of those books that you're walking through Barnes and Noble or you're on the Amazon um, bookstore and you actually, you know, see that book and you go, that looks like a book I want to read. So that's why not many people read it, but it's an unbelievably cool book. Tax Free Wealth. Go read that book. A lot of this stuff is talked about in it and a, a lot more um, topics that we won't be going over to today. Okay. Tom Wilwright, Tax-Free Wealth. So we've already talked about what depreciation is. And guess what? We've already talked about straight-line depreciation. And the way we've talked about straight-line depreciation is that I just told you that if I buy a property for $275,000, I can get a tax credit for 27.5 years. And essentially, imagine I have 27.5 of these lines. I don't, I'm not going to count it up. But that means every one of these lines, I get a $10,000 credit. And these represent a year. Every year, I get $10,000, right? All the way through straight line to 27.5 years. How freaking cool is that? One stinking property. One rental property utilizing straight line depreciation will allow me to do an assignment fee in my wholesale business or one fix and flip a year where I make $10,000 tax free. Just one rental property. So let's say this is, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. We already know what straight line depreciation is. So we're going to talk about bonus depreciation. What if the IRS had this cool thing that allowed you, instead of you just taking one year at a time right here, the IRS actually allowed you to take anywhere between five to seven of those years up front in your first freaking year. So instead of having to wait five or seven years for that first big chunk of money, 
they will actually give you a 50 to $70,000, which is five to seven years in a lump sum credit in your first year. This is called bonus depreciation. So that means this property that I just bought, let's go back to this $275,000 property. If I use bonus depreciation, I could go and do five $10,000 assignments in wholesale. And how much money in tax would I pay? I would pay $0. And that is primarily how I utilize depreciation. Okay. Now there are some pluses and minus to this, to, to this. Some of the pluses are obvious, right? Boom. I now, if I actually had to pay taxes on that $50,000 worth of assignments, I would probably pay somewhere around anywhere between $17,500 to $22,500, somewhere in the, the realm, that would be my tax burden. That is more than enough to buy a rental property, right? Our average, we, guys, we've been, doing subject, uh, we've been doing Sunday service for a year and a half. We have done more case studies than I care to admit. And you guys know that my average cost to get into a subject two deal is $15,000. Now, where does this money come from? Go watch Sunday service. It does not come from my pocket. Okay. Not from my pocket. A lot of people watching this, they're going to see that $15,000 and they're going to have one of these big old, uh, big old sad face. I don't have $15,000 pace. Well, dude, I don't buy any of my properties with my own money. So we use what, what do we call it guys? OPM, other people's money, right? Private money. And we can talk about that another day. But if my average price to get into a subject two deal is $15,000, essentially this one property that I bought in, two, let's say 2020, this one property saved me $22,500 in taxes that I didn't have to pay. So instead of me going buying a Rolex or a Lambo or some stupid ass shit that everybody loves, I take that $22,500 and I go and buy a subject to property. And now guess what I have? I'm Pace with not one $275,000 property. I'm now Pace with two $275,000 properties. And guess what I can do with this property next year when I have five $10,000 assignment fees? I can do the same freaking thing over and over and over again, every single year, I can continue to compound and utilize just my tax savings over and over and over to continue and buy more sub twos, buy more seller finance, buy more cash flowing properties because I am using bonus depreciation that allows me to pay $0 in tax. Okay, this is insane. This is stuff that you, would make you want to quit your job as a doctor and just jump into real estate right now because the challenge is I, I'm so far ahead of this because this is all we do. All we do. I don't, guys, by the way, so Facebook user, I, everybody that is a Facebook user, you're like the Android users of the world to me, to be honest. I'm so sorry to tease people about that. But every time you guys log into Facebook, I don't know what your name is. You guys go to, YouTube, go to youtube.com forward slash Pace Morby. I promise you it's way better over here. 
And the reason being is because I can actually call you out by name. I know most of the people have been following us on here for a year. I want to know your guys' names. So everybody that's a Facebook user, please either A, make sure your name is popping up or B, do me a favor and come over to YouTube. Okay. YouTube.com forward slash Pace Morby. Okay. My wife is laughing in the other room because I was teasing Facebook users. Um, thank you guys. And by the way, um, TBELJ, thank you so much for the super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, your question is this, if you JV on a sub two, how does a depreciation work for both parties? Also watch the business structure zooms today. They were awesome. Thank you so much, LJ. So here's the, here's the answer to that question. I was just talking about that in the sub two family. So if a, stu a student brings a deal to me, um, I actually have a, a deal in Wisconsin or Minnesota, one of the two. To me, they're both the same exact place, to be honest. And I'm very sorry for people that I tease. Arizona is just the best place on earth. I'm very sorry. But if I go buy in Wisconsin, I don't want to manage that property. So I bought a deal from one of our students. His name is Andres. So Andres calls me. He's like, Pace, I've got this amazing sub two house. Okay. I want to assign it to you and I want to make some money. And I go, man, it looks like a good deal, but I don't buy in Wisconsin, bro. I, I don't want to buy in Wisconsin. However, I will JV with you and I will do something I typically don't do where I will keep you on as part of the ownership. So I paid him an assignment fee. Okay. So he got his assignment fee, made some money. And then I kept 90% of the ownership and I gave him 10% of the ownership. Why? Because I don't want to manage it. So I gave him 10% of the, the property. So what does he get? Check it out. He gets 10% of the cash flow. He gets 10% of the appreciation, right? That's when the property value goes up. And guess what else he gets? He gets 10% of the depreciation on that property. So when he goes to file his taxes, he can take 10% of the depreciation on that property. Okay. Now, what I don't like about that is I don't like JVing on properties because I've JVed on properties before in a big, big way. In fact, I had a partnership recently. We went out and bought 50 properties together. Okay. It was a group of four people. Cody and I were two of those people, right? So Cody and I, there's Pace, there's Cody. There was two other guys and we just had completely different visions, completely different visions of the company. And then when problems would arrive, which, which problems arise every single day, right? When problems would arise, it's these two guys that are constantly solving the problems. And so we just decided, you know what, guys, let's take, we're going to take our half and we're going to come over here. We're going to give you your half and you guys can go over there. And we broke up. It just wasn't worth it to us. I, I don't want to partner with anybody on properties. I'd rather just pay somebody an assignment fee. It's way easier. But on this particular deal, the reason why I partnered with Andres is because Wisconsin, Minnesota, whatever, I don't even know what it is. But um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, we just were closing escrow on this. This deal cost, I think, $7,000 to purchase it get it cleaned up and get it rented out. And we've, we've got a lease option tenant, or maybe we, we might even do an Airbnb. I don't know. But um, very inexpensive, really good cash flowing deal. So it made sense for me to buy the deal from Andres and then just have him retain 10% ownership. And in that 10% retainer, he gets his cash flow, his appreciation and depreciation. So he'll make way more money than his assignment fee by being 10% in this deal, but it ensures um, for me that I don't have to actually uh, manage the property or deal with anything.
hopefully that makes sense and answers your question. Thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate that. I know it's only five bucks, but I do appreciate it. Thank you. Um, what happens next year when you've already used the bonus depreciation on a property? How do you work around that? So Corey, I, this is what I'm saying. Go back up here, bro. Go back up here. I'm pretty dang good at explaining things. And this might've just gotten lost on you real quick um, because it is a lot to take in. So remember, I just bought another property, right? So I say this one property just saved me how much money? $22,500. I take that $22,500 and I buy a second property. And I take the next year's $22,000 and I buy a third property. I continually add and add and add. So I always have bonus depreciation to utilize. Okay. I always have bonus depreciation to utilize. Now, I've had four or five people ask me, how do I get started in the mentorship? Um, I think a lot of my, who's one of my students in here? I, I see Mamadou. I see a lot of people, a lot of my students in here. Guys, tell people if they're actually interested in the mentorship, uh, assuming that the areas that they're in are not sold out. Tell them how good this mentorship is. I mean, this is not the mentorship. This is just a live podcast I've been doing for a year and a half. But, you know, we've got 400 people watching live between Facebook and YouTube. But who's happy with the mentorship? Is it a 10 out of 10 or is it a 100 out of 10 or is it a 1 out of 10? What is it? Right? So if you guys are interested is um, into the mentorship, do me a favor. Um, there's like 17 places that are sold out. Follow this link and see if the area is open that you're, you're living in or you're investing in. Um, we had somebody who was like, I live in Canada, but I invest, I, and we were like, sorry, we don't do international. Um, and they said, well, I live in Canada, but I invest in Chicago. We ended up letting them in. So let people know where you're investing. Okay. Guys, I'm getting some 20s. Wow, Jeff, my man, says 20 out of 10. L Lewis says 11 out of 10. 100 out of 10. Oh my gosh. Daryl Ellison says, best decision I ever made. Amazing. Thank you, guys. I do appreciate it. I work really hard to make sure that my students are um, over-delivered to. But back to the lecture at hand, okay? Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Kelly says it's the Chick-fil-A of mentorships. However, we are, we are not closed on Sunday. Devin Carter, my man. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Devin Carter is actually one of my mastermind students. Um, appreciate you a ton, dude. Seriously. Colton Cole gave me a 1 million. Thank you, guys. So if you guys are interested in the mentorship, I don't do this podcast to sell mentorship, but um, a lot of areas are actually sold out. Um, you'd have to get on the link and see if they are actually sold out or not. So there's a link right there. Black Lion REI. So Black Lion actually... Um, is Maurice Grant. And he's, he, oh, there he is. He added his name. So Maurice Grant, uh, congratulations on getting married, my brother. I, I appreciate you. Um, and I bought one of my best deals of the year last year from Maurice. He's one of my students. I bought a $1.3 million property in Atlanta. And I'm actually going to go through that right now. So I'm glad that Maurice is here because he'll see how much money I'm making on the deal. Um, it wasn't so much the deal that made sense to me um, from a cash flow standpoint that I bought from Maurice. It was actually the main reason I bought that property was for the depreciation. Okay, so do we all understand now bonus depreciation? We understand that utilizing bonus depreciation that was rewritten into the tax code in 2017, it allows me to utilize the tax credit over and over and over, um, five, seven years upfront that I can avoid paying these taxes, right? Now, 
That's cool. And guys, we're going to have some fun here. We got plenty of time. I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys some really, really good stuff here right now. Okay. So let's say that I buy, well, let me, let me actually tell you the real story. The real story is this. The real story is that back in October of last year, my accountant, Dustin Griffiths says to me, calls me up on a zoom and he says, dude, you are going to have to pay about $200,000 in taxes if you don't buy another $2 million in real estate. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I went on a buying spree the last couple of months of the year and we bought some real estate. And one of the pieces of real estate helped me out. One of the main reasons I bought the, the real estate, it came from one of my students, Maurice Grant. I bought it because I wanted the depreciation. I didn't care any, I didn't really care about the tax, the tax benefit, or I'm sorry, I didn't care so much about the cash flow of the property, even though I'll go through the deal. Um, and I will explain to you that the cash flow is very, very good as well, or it will be. Um, but I bought the property primarily for the tax benefits. Okay. And this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. They'll say, oh, well, that, you know, your the cash flow is not crazy good on that. And I'm like, dude, but you got to understand when you're paying a lot of money in taxes, like the, the ability to utilize tax depreciation is a game changer for people. It's a game changer. Okay. Um, can you use special characters in the land trust name? Yes, you can. If I buy a property on December 30th, do I get the benefits for the whole tax year? Yes. If you buy a property on, uh, if you close escrow on December 31st, you get benefits for the whole past tax year. By the way, um, Jay White says, who's in Tampa Bay? I don't know anybody that's in Tampa Bay, but um, I actually do. I, we have a lot of students in Tampa Bay, but Jamil and I are actually, Jamil and I are actually coming to Tampa this coming Saturday. Okay. So Saturday, we are going to be doing a meetup. I don't know exactly where it's going to be. I think it might be outside of our hotel. We're, Jamil and I are going to be doing um, an evening meetup in Tampa where everybody's included. Everybody's invited. Astro students, sub two students, and the whole general public. So come on out, hang out with us. We'd love to see you. So um, my, my accountant comes to me and he says, okay, Pace. Whoa, somebody paid me 20 bucks. What Zachary, dude. Oh my gosh, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Zach. So, um, check it out. In October, my, my accountant says, Hey Pace, you're going to have to pay like 200 to $250,000, even with all the properties that you and Cody, um, you know, bought together. I was only getting half of the depreciation. Remember guys, we already went through that answer. If I own half of the property, I only get half of the appreciation, just like I only get half of the cash flow and I get half of the depreciation as well. So I got put in a situation where I had to go and buy properties outside of Cody so that I could avoid paying taxes. Now I make more money than Cody. I have more streams of income than Cody does. I'm older than Cody by 11 years. So I better have more streams of income than Cody, right? So I sat, I basically was like, okay, I need to go buy properties. And I started going to my student base who I'd already bought deals from. And Cody and I buy a lot of deals from our student base. Um, I bought a really great Airbnb um, like two days ago from one of our students. It's going to be a crazy, crazy good deal. Um, we buy, so I, I decided, okay, I'm going to go on my own to my student base and say, all right, guys, what do you guys have? I know you guys are trading deals with each other. And I know you're dispoing deals to your buyers, but give me an opportunity to buy something. And so Maurice Grant, 
lives in Jersey, invests in multiple different areas. Um, his name, uh, guys, is Black Lion, I think, REI. Amazing, amazing man. Love him. He comes and sends me a deal. Okay. And that deal, actually, I own the property. You guys can pull this up so you guys know that I'm not one of those bullshitters. And here's my property right here. It's cute as a freaking button. I do love this house, by the way. Um, this is the house. It is three stories. It's an eight bed, I think five bath, and it's in the most amazing neighborhood. Look at these houses. All these houses are anywhere between three to $5 million. The address of the property is 75, let's see, 75 Maddox at Drive, Atlanta. Zillow. So I bought this property, as you guys can see, when did I buy it? Right at the, like almost at the deadline, sold 12, 15, 20. So I bought this $1 million property primarily because I was like, well, I bought it for 1,025,000 and it's going to be, end up being an Airbnb. So if you guys want, I can break down the numbers, even though I've broken down the numbers multiple times on this deal. Um, I'll break it down for you really, really quick. So I bought this property not just because of cash flow, but I'll tell you what the cash flow is on this deal. So my payment to the seller is $3,897, I believe, or like 98, something like that. It's really, really close to that. Okay, that's my payment to the seller. My property taxes and insurance are another basically $1,300 a month. Okay, so pretty expensive, right? It's getting pretty expensive. And then I've got a miscellaneous of like $2,000 with utilities, landscape, and uh, vacancy and repairs and all that kind of stuff, okay? Vacancy, repairs, and miscellaneous. Let's keep it very simple. And then 1,300 is utilities, blah, 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 blah. So right now, I don't really have to worry about these items because they don't exist for me. I have a tenant in there and that tenant's moving out in a week. So I... Once that tenant moves out, I will have all these expenses, right? So I'm going to be at three, basically 4,000 here. Let's just say 4,000, stupid. Um, five, six, seven thousand three hundred dollars. So I'll have, I'll be at seven thousand three hundred dollars a month to maintain that property, and that seems scary for a lot of investors. I get that. This isn't, this isn't some level one yellow belt shit. Okay, this is like not black belt, but it's definitely not yellow belt. Okay. So my cost to maintain this property is $7,300, but I'm converting this to an Airbnb and this property, because of its size and its location, will bring in somewhere between, depending on the year, sixteen dollars to $20,000 a month. I believe that my net on this property per month will be somewhere around $8,000 per month after my management fee to my Airbnb, after all of that kind of stuff, after my private lender, all that stuff, I will net somewhere around $8,000 a month. That's like retirement money for a lot of people. Okay. I tra we travel a lot, so that wouldn't be a good amount of money for us to retire on. We travel way too much, but um, that's really good money, right? That's $96,000 a year on one property in cash flow on a really good Airbnb that, guess what I didn't use? I didn't use any of my own cash to buy that property. I brought in a private lender. 
I didn't br- use any of my own credit. I do not believe in using my own credit. Never do I ever use my own credit. And guess what else I didn't use? Credentials. So what's interesting about seller finance and subject two, which is what I teach my students, is that nobody asked me for my bank account. They don't ask me for my job records. They don't ask me for my tax records. They don't ask me for anything. I don't ever have to show any, 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 any credentials whatsoever. Okay. So no cash of my own, no credit of anybody's and no credentials of anybody's either. Bought the property. It's going to cash flow about $8,000 a month. Pretty cool. Right? So the reason I bought this property was not because of cash flow. It was because of depreciation. And the reason why depreciation was so important to me is remember my tax, my accountant just told me, said, Pace, you're going to have about a two hundred dollars to $250,000 tax burden this year because of how much money you made. And that's after all the depreciation that you've already extracted. And that's after all your write-offs and that's after all your other stuff. And I was like, oh shit. So I went out and I bought this property for $1,025,000. So let's talk about this one property, $1,025,000. If I did straight line depreciation on this, and I divided this by, oops, sorry guys. If I divided this by 27 and a half years, what would be my tax benefit of buying that property this year? Divided by 27.5. Okay, that's pretty decent. I would get a $37,000 tax credit on straight line depreciation this one year. Okay. So now that's not good enough for me. Can I wipe out a 200,000 or $250,000 tax burden with a $37,000 credit? Not even close. Okay, well, what about bonus depreciation? What if I took that same number and I multiplied that by five? Well, still not enough money. $186,000 credit doesn't wipe that out either. So I utilize something called cost segregation. And cost segregation is something that actually costs a little bit of money. I paid somebody a $1,500 fee to do a, um, an engineering report and they were able to get me, they created a report. This is a magical report. You actually have to file this with the IRS. This goes to the IRS and I will get, oops, sorry guys. I will get a total of $540,000 in a credit in my first year using cost segregation. This is an amazing strategy. So because of one property, I was able to go to the, I was able to sit down with my CPA and go, oh my gosh, man, like I got to go buy a whole bunch of properties. And he's like, or you could go just go buy one really expensive one or go buy a fourplex or go buy a sixplex or go buy you know, some multifamily stuff and do a cost segregation and you could wipe out all of this in one fell swoop. And I go, that sounds way better to me. And so I went back to Maurice and Marie, Marie said, yeah, hey, I've got, I still got this deal. So I helped him get her 
She originally wanted a five-year balloon or three-year balloon, and I got her to a 10-year balloon. She originally wanted 4% interest, and I think I got her to 2% interest. So guys, I have a 2% loan on a million-dollar property, and I went out, met the lady. She's amazing, um, and we bought the deal. She has tenants in the property who are paying. They've been paying for multiple years, and they are moving out on April 15th. So on April 15th, I'm flying out to Atlanta. I'm meeting uh, Noah Hoffman, my Airbnb manager, I think sometime in April, because we have another Airbnb we're setting up in Decatur, um, just outside of Atlanta, all at the same time. And um, we'll turn that into a cash flowing monster. But the most important reason why I bought that property is because it wiped out $540,000 in taxable income off my taxes. So that means if I, was, if I was a wholesaler and I went out and I crushed it in wholesale, let's say I made $200,000 in my wholesale business and I made $240,000 in my um, fix and flip business and I made $100,000 in um, you know, miscellaneous things, whatever else I could be doing, maybe I own a title company, maybe something along those lines. I go buy that one property and all that income from all my LLCs now is zero tax. It's crazy. It is crazy what you can do with this. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to answer a couple of questions here, guys, and kind of catch up with the chat. So if you guys have questions, we'll jump into some other things later down, but I've now got, that took me an hour to go through that. So I'm going to go through and answer some questions. Okay. So Joe Eccles says seller carry. Yeah. Seller carry. That means the seller is the bank, right? The seller had the house paid off free and clear. She created an IOU, basically a promissory note or a deed of trust. And I pay her 2%. I basically pay her a payment every month and it pays down the, the debt. I didn't have to use my credit. I didn't have to use any credentials, job history, bank account records, any of that kind of stuff. And I bought the house. Oh, my wife. I don't I didn't know my wife, Laura, was still paying attention. Okay. All right. So um, Ingrid... Arizona real estate agent, guys, if you guys need um, to do any deals with Ingrid, she's awesome. All right. Christopher says, what entitles, wait, I don't know what that says. Is it what entities? I don't know what it says. Uh, what entitles do you use in your business? Wholesale, buy and hold, flip, and why as it pertains to tax benefits? Uh, Christopher, I'm not sure I quite understand your question. Can you change it up and re-answer that or re-ask that question? Does it matter when we buy the property, like beginning, middle, or end? I'm not quite sure I understand that question either, but um, are you saying, does it matter what time of the year you buy the property? No. As long as you buy it in the calendar year, it will, it will count towards that calendar year's income, okay? Um, very cool question. Mamadou, my guy, just tried to sell me a deal in uh, North Carolina. I wish I could have bought it. When does that credit reset? What if you quit claim it to your friend and he quit claims it back to you just to reset it? No, you cannot do that, Kevin Cho. Unfortunately, tax depreciation recapture is something we're going to talk about next. But no, you cannot reset tax depreciation recapture and you cannot reset the depreciation factor. I will tell you what happens when you maybe gift it to a family member, what ultimately happens with it, okay? Um, no, I did not get a tax cut of 186. I ended up getting... so. This is a great question uh, Scott asks. So if my tax bracket, guys, remember my tax bracket is the highest tax bracket. And that's a good thing. I don't mind being at the highest tax bracket as long as I don't pay it. 
but my tax bracket's like 43%. Okay. When you're, when you're balling, like all real estate investors, not all of them, but most real estate investors are doing pretty well and you pay 43% in taxes. Right. And let's say that I have a $540,000 tax uh, credit. That would mean that I, for a, basically what it actually gave me, what it gave me in an actual tax credit or actually what it wiped out of my, my taxes is this. I'm $232,000 is what that means to me in real cash that I did not have to pay to the IRS that one year. That's what that means. Now, what's cool is if you actually have a loss, you can carry the loss forward. That's a whole nother conversation for another day. Let's get into the questions. Great question. Um, so what's your contact? Oh, Tyler. Okay. OPM late. Let's get it, bro. Good to see you, Rick. It's really late for you, bro. 11 o'clock at night. Damn. How much did Maurice make on the deal? Um, not as much as he probably wish he did. Actually, the, the agreement that I had with Maurice is that Maurice said, Hey, let me sell this to you for nothing. Um, because it was a challenging deal. I actually had to close the seller and do all that myself. And I actually told him, Hey, I probably don't really love the deal. Um, but we, I didn't originally plan on turning it into an Airbnb. I planned on originally turning it into a rental and it wasn't a great cash flower. And because I was looking at it from an, uh, a regular rental standpoint, I told Maurice, Hey, this isn't the greatest deal ever. So we originally agreed on him not making anything. And then a week after I closed escrow, I sent him, um, I think 10,000 or $15,000 on it. And he was super surprised by that. Um, let's see what, Oh, what entities do you use in your businesses? Wholesale, LLC, buy and hold, LLC, flip, LLC. It's all LLCs. Now, what you're asking is, is am I filing as a C-Corp or an S-Corp? I only have one S-Corp and that's my holding company. Okay. Only one S-Corp. Everything else is a partnership. Okay. Every, every, only one S-Corp. And if you're one of my students, go back to the corporate structuring Zooms. We actually did 12 hours where I broke down my actual corporate structure. I show you where my money flows, how this goes to here, how this happens here, why this goes here, how I even lend money to myself, all sorts of cool stuff. If you're a sub two student, you should already have access to all that information. Um, and there was a bunch of people asking about the mentorship earlier. So I'll drop the link down below for the mentorship. But I think there's like either 14 or 17 areas that are so, uh, sold out. So double check and make sure you can actually get in. Okay. So Christopher says, do you mainly use LLCs? Yes. Everything is an LLC. Um, at the very top of my LLC structure is a living trust. Okay. And I don't put anything in my living trust. Nothing sits in my living trust. The living trust owns all my LLCs. So if, if my LLC owns something, then essentially my trust owns that. But I don't like having a trust bank account and I don't like having all this stuff inside my trust. So trust is super clean, very easy to organize. And then everything else underneath my trust actually has entities, properties, assets, et cetera, inside of it. Uh, uh, see, and what are the benefits of you as it pertains to taxes? Well, everything's an LLC or um, a trust. That's it. Your, whole your wholesale LLC is not an S-corp. Why would I, my L wholesale LLC be an S-corp? That's not where I pay myself. The only place that I would want an S-Corp is where I actually pay myself. Everything that I own, every LLC that I own 
pays me a management fee, not as an employee. Okay. I don't take property. Uh, I don't take profits from these LLCs. They pay me a management fee and I have one company. It's a holding company that is an escort. Only one company is an escort. Um, Autonov says, "Have if you have a property in Wisconsin, do you sign it under your L Wisconsin LLC or an out-of-state entity get taxed twice? No, you don't, you don't get taxed twice. Um, I own all of my properties in Arizona LLCs, and I suggest you guys do the same thing. If you own properties in out-of-state, then what you do is you file, actually I have one if you guys want to see it, um, a foreign entity um, document with the state. Okay, so then that way your property can own LLCs or your, your I'm sorry, your LLCs can own um, properties in other states. Foreign entity. Here it is. Here's a certificate right here. This one's pretty recent. Check it out. Um, Moving Forward Ventures LLC. What's the date on this? Here's the certificate of foreign entity registered in Texas. So Moving Forward um, Ventures LLC is my Arizona LLC that owns properties in multiple states. You can see I filed this. This is a new purchase I just bought on uh, uh, just a month ago. It's a half a million dollar property. We just got it cash flowing on an Airbnb. Um, that's a good one. So no, I own all my I own all my properties in Arizona LLCs. People that tell you that LLCs should be in other states like Delaware, te Texas, I'm sorry, Wisconsin, not Wisconsin, Wyoming, Montana, Vegas, those places. Well, Sam, Sam, Sam Kemp, here's a better question. Why not Arizona? Um, Black Lion says, off topic, but this house in Vegas, that was in a 55 plus community. What did you do with it? I have one available to sell F, uh, FI. So I don't know. Black Lion, I don't know that property. Billy says, the last tax strategy, how did you get $540,000 in credit? Can elaborate a little bit more. So Billy, I think you missed that. Um, we, we, we did go over that pretty in depth, actually. We went over tax or we went through cost segregation. Okay, it's a report. So cost segregation, I already went through that. So either go back or maybe look up a YouTube video on cost segregation, what that looks like. This is not something I made up. I wish I did. I wish I was that smart to make it up. Okay. Um, Brittany, um, I almost want to have my students answer these questions because my students know all the answers to these. Um, Brittany, do you put each property in its own LLC? No, that would be an irresponsible thing. That's not responsible. It's crazy to put one, L one property in one LLC. Um, we typically put 10 to 20 per LLC. Now, here's the thing is you'll see online um, and you got to ask yourself this. And I will even say this to some of my friends who do, to do, who do this. Why do they tell you to put one property per LLC? The reason being is because they sell LLCs, right? They sell LLCs. So wouldn't it make sense for them to sell more LLCs to you? The reality is what they're saying to you is they're saying, oh, well, what if you get a lawsuit? Well, that's what insurance is for, first and foremost. It's also what umbrella insurance is for. I don't know anybody that owns tons and tons and tons and tons of uh, real estate that has lost real estate because of a lawsuit with a tenant, okay? Um, Stanley says, you were saying you don't get LLCs in different states. So the reason why people tell you to go get LLCs in different states is because they're trying to set up a corporate structure with you 
that will benefit their pocketbook. So whoever's telling you that, whether it's on YouTube or a CPA or whatever, ask them truly, why can't I just have my LLCs? Now, the only LLC I would not create is a, an LLC in the state of California. Um, I would rather create an LLC somewhere else. And I would either use a land trust to protect where I own that LLC or what owns it. Um, but in Arizona, we don't use land trust because our, our uh, title companies will not allow us to use land trust without naming who the beneficiary is. Okay. Um, but no, I, why? The question is, why would you buy in a different state? Right? You want anonymity? I would team up with one of my students that could kind of teach you some of this stuff. Okay. Uh, TBELJ says, is this the same concept for commercial real estate? Yes. Actually, commercial real estate um, gives you a lot other options for depreciation than just single family homes, but I'm not doing stuff in commercial real estate. Why not just put each property in a trust? Well, so why, Bob, why put it in a trust? Why put it in a trust? You tell me. There are more benefits of having things owned by an LLC than there are by having it in a trust. It would be, and trusts are expensive, okay? To start a living trust, 1,500 bucks, 2,500 bucks. There's no reason to have a living trust or a trust on every single property. You only need one living trust and that living trust holds, uh, owns a holding company. That holding company holds all of your other LLCs. It's very simple, okay? Um, Jeremy Davis says, I'm a sub two student. If you have questions after the stream, feel free to reach out, happy to help. Stanley, if you're, in, if you're in Vegas, Vegas is an awesome place to have LLCs. There's no downfall to having LLCs in Vegas or really most cities for that um, example. Okay. Kevin Cho says, can you elaborate what a trust is? Is that like a, a bank account for the real estate? No. Um, no. Kevin Cho, very simple. Uh, and a, a trust is an estate or it's, a, it's an entity that basically has a set of agreements put together that says what happens when you're living and what happens when you're dying. So for me, I have a, a trust. Actually, my trust is right over here on my desk. It's in a big folder. And it describes what happens to me. Let's say I get incapacitated. What happens if I die? What happens if I this? What happens if, um, you know, a will says who gets my stuff, but a living trust actually says what happens to every individual thing, like who gets it and why and in what situation this and da, 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 da. That's what a trust is for. An LLC is to hold the property. So you can have a trust that doesn't actually operate and own bank, bank accounts and all that stuff. And the, the trust just simply owns the LLC. Okay. Uh, Jeremy says, Laura, my wife owns your IG store. I love your IG stories. If you guys are not following my wife on Instagram, you're missing out. Gaines City. Pace, would you buy properties that aren't in high population areas, but the cash flow is decent? Absolutely. There's a lot of people that think that's the better strategy, right? There's a lot of people that think, because you have two strategies when buying real estate. You either want appreciation or you want a lot of cash flow. And for me, I choose areas that kind of give you a little bit of both. But if you're in like Ohio or, um, you know, one of those other towns where potatoes are eaten for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sorry, everybody in Ohio. I'm just teasing. Um, if you're in Ohio, actually it's Idaho. Dang it. I screwed that up. Um, if you're in Ohio, crazy good cash flowing markets, crazy good cash flowing markets, but the appreciation is not amazing. Like our properties in Arizona, we have multiple properties we bought last year that have appreciated $100,000 in one year. So for me, I care more about um, I care more about the overall picture than I do about one individual strategy. Okay. 
I don't want to be the owner of the LLC. So Stanley, that's why you get a trust. A trust is private. So this is the benefit of a trust. My name is not on my trust. My trust, it, basically I'm a beneficiary of my trust and nothing is, my name is nowhere on it. And then my trust owns my LLC. So if somebody pulls up my LLCs, you guys can pull up all my LLCs right now and not my name isn't on a single document, okay? Um, BPA Trick AZ. Guys, use your real names, please. It makes it easier on all of us. I want to get to know all of you guys. Um, or maybe it's B Patrick AZ. That's what it is. Hey, hey, Pace, does depreciation work only if you buy a house with seller financing or sub two? No, it, uses, it works for all real estate except for your primary residence. You cannot use depreciation for your primary residence. Love that. How do you show tax depreciation on an appreciating property? So Autonolf, it is not even related, bro. Not even related. Depreciation, what you're thinking is, you're thinking depreciation of the property losing value. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the property falling apart. The, the, it, the word depreciation is used in two different contexts and you're using the context incorrectly, which is fine. I used to think the same way. I'm like, property depreciation? No, but the house is going up in value. They're not talking about that. They're talking about the things inside the house, like the roof is depreciating, the, the windows are depreciation, the things are falling apart. It's a different version of depreciation. It takes two years for a trust to mature. No, that is incorrect. Our, we got our trust. It was ready to go immediately. Do you speak on appreciation? I think I missed it. Uh, did I speak on appreciation? No, we've spoken on appreciation in other shows. Should we start setting up these structures in our first year of doing business? Yes, you should have these things from day one. I see a lot of people going out and starting an LLC. In fact, in fact I see a lot of influencers talking about how to start an LLC. And I'm like, you're all wrong. All of you are 100% wrong. Never start an LLC without having a living trust. Just don't. Now, again, I'm not a tax advisor. I'm not an estate planning attorney, but I've been through all of this stuff. And everybody, like the own, I won't tell, say anybody's names, but a lot of my friends that are high level making a lot of money are now having to go back to all their corporate structures that they followed idiots on YouTube and they're having to rebuild everything properly, okay? There's things that you should be knowing like right out of the gate, like whole life insurance policies, right? Um, private charities to avoid all sorts of other amazing things that I could go into all that, that in another day. You should be understanding holding companies and you should be understanding living trust from day freaking one. Okay. So, um, Aurelis says land trusts. We don't use land trusts in Arizona and Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania doesn't use them either. And the reason being is because the land trust, the whole purpose of a land trust is to have anonymity and protect who the owner is. And in Arizona, they require you show who the owner of the land trust is. So it doesn't make sense for us to have a land trust in Arizona. Okay. Um, Ruri says, hey, hi, Pace, how taxes work when you use an LLC to close deals with a partner who is not in your LLC? Well, your partner, it all looks at as income, right? So it doesn't really matter if your partner is outside of the LLC, he's going to get an income statement that shows how much money he personally made. That's on him, right? Um, Jacob Frey says, how do we only have 240 people? Well, there's your, I think you're in one stream. We have four other streams, so we're close to 500 live people. Um, it's only, you're only seeing one stream, Jacob. So Stanley says, where should I start? I'm trying to get everything running. Well, here's what I, here's what I would do. I tell people this, this is the real answer. You need to just go do deals. 
you need to do real estate deals. That's the most important thing. And even if you have the wrong corporate structure, it's better to just go do deals and not let anything stand in your way. Right. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. Everybody, if you guys do like the video, that would be super helpful. Um, I would say start there first and foremost. And two, bro, you're in Vegas. You got Anderson business advisors. They're really good. Um, I actually have um, them doing my public charity right now, which is cool. D-A-T-A, if you ever decide to stop buying properties, would you start paying taxes once your depreciation credit ran out for bonus depreciation? Yes, you would. You would run out of depreciation and that is um, an amazing thing. Now check this out. You guys want to hear some ninja stuff real quick? That's a great question. Let me give you some a ninja answer. So let's say that I run out of properties and I, I decide I'm 50 years old and I don't want to buy properties anymore because now I'm 50 years old and I have a thousand houses and I don't want to buy any more properties. I, I have plenty of cash flow. I'm making $300,000, $400,000 a month in income, right? And I can't use depreciation anymore. I've already depreciated these to zero. I have no more, de I have no more depreciation to take. What do I do? Here's what I do. I donate my 50 properties to my charity. A lot of people don't know this. I'm currently setting this up right now. I have a six, I'm, I just paid $6,000 to set up a, a, a charity and my properties will go inside my charity. And guess what? My cash flow is inside my charity. The cash flow in my charity is tax free. Okay, so at that point, you really don't need depreciation. Stanley, it's Anderson Business Advisors is who I'm using to set up some of my stuff. I've already, I use an attorney here locally. Does the sub two mentorship explain how the structure of a trust, whole life insurance policy, LLCs? You students, everybody that's a student of mine, answer that question for him. How, much, how many hours have I done on corporate structures and how many special guests have I brought in? Do, do, does the, our mentorship break that down? And I show you my trust. I show you my LLCs. I show you my bank accounts. I show you how the money flows, all that stuff. Ingrid says, hell yeah, it does. How do you pull money from your charity? Well, you can pay yourself a management fee from your, your uh, charity if you decide to do so. Or if you want another ninja tactic, I teach my students this deeply. Um, Mamadou says he can't even count this far. Hell yeah. How do you ca get the cash flow from your nonprofit charity? So I'm gonna, that's a, that's a really interesting question. So the reality is by the time you, you have money cash flowing in your charity, you have so much other money that you really never live off that cash flow, which is interesting because a lot of people are like, well, isn't that why you buy properties? Yes, it is, but you really don't live off of it. There's like, you have so many other things, but um, the money actually doesn't go to you. You can actually send that money to your whole life insurance policy as a loan. And now your whole life insurance policy grows without, and that's also tax-free as well. And you actually live off the whole life insurance policy as a way to do it from uh, tax-free. Okay. Um, so anybody that, yeah, Kimberly Coger, one of the, my favorite students, she takes such great notes in the sub two mentorship. She's saying she's restructuring her whole corporate, um, world right now because of the Zooms that I've recently done. I think those Zooms alone, like really thinking about the mentorship, uh, you know, we've had it out for a year. I would say that the Zooms alone on the corporate structure, tax benefits, building legacy wealth, all that kind of stuff is probably worth $100,000 or more. It took me 
years and years and years. So Christopher says, so your management fee is from the trust, not any of the LLC. So no, Christopher, my I don't ever put money in my trust, ever. I don't have a dollar in my trust. I don't have a bank account for my trust. My trust doesn't hold anything other than ownership in LLCs. I don't have a debit card for my trust, nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. I don't have a checkbook, nothing. My trust sits there and it owns things that do have bank accounts, okay? The first thing that it owns that has a bank account is a holding company. That holding company is an LLC at the very top of my structure. It's not the very top. It's one step down from my trust. Okay. And my students get this whole structure all laid out. Super easy to understand. Okay. Um, the LLC that's my holding company is my S Corp. So that's where I pay myself outside of my, inside my holding company. Okay. Um, Sean Bryant says sub two mentorship is awesome. Hours and hours on amazing content. Everything is explained. Lots of value. Just take a leap and invest yourself. Thank you, Sean. I do appreciate that. Um, who do you use as a trust family members? I've got trust issues. Um, yeah, children. So you, you actually go through about 300 questions when you're building out a trust. And those 300 questions are like in the event of this, in the event of that, if you have somebody that does this, if somebody's addicted to alcohol, this happens. If somebody has a drug addiction, this happens. If this happens, then this happens. And ultimately, you can actually appoint um, financial planners or financial advisors to take over your trust if you don't have anybody in your family to trust. I would never give money, never give money to a family member. Noah Hoffman says, yes, the mentorship covers everything on the planet Earth worth knowing. Thank you, bro. I do appreciate that. You guys can't trust anything Noah Hoffman says because he, him, him and I do a lot of deals together. So don't, he probably, um, he probably just wants us to do more deals together. <laughs> um, can you still depreciate a property while it's owned by your charity? Gosh, damn, Christopher. That's like your fourth amazing question. The answer is no. So there's actually a couple of things you can do. Pay attention to this. This is really important. I can actually donate my property to my charity before I depreciate it. And I get a massive tax benefit from doing that. Um, and I don't have to depreciate my property. This is something I actually just recently learned. If you guys um, pay attention to Jeremy Davis, he made a really good comment here. He said that I, he says right here, says your pace or your face when Toby Mathis started spitting gold, you look like a kid on Christmas morning. So that is actually the topic that Jeremy is talking about. So we recently had um, one of the main three owners of Anderson Business Advisors come into the Sub2 Mentorship as a bonus Zoom for all my students. Um, and I had just finished listening to Toby Mathis at another mastermind for like nine hours, game-changing information about public charities and all that kind of stuff. And I currently have a charity being set up. And my wife probably didn't, doesn't know that, but I have a public charity set up, being set up for our family entity. It's why I just had to get blood drawn and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I learned this. I learned that I don't have to depreciate my properties if I don't want to. I could take a property right out of the gate and take 100% of the value of the home as a tax benefit that year if I donate it to my charity. Game-changing stuff. I've never done it, so I, ha I can't speak to it. I've done all of these other things that I talk about, so I can speak to it. The thing about um, depreciating a property inside your trust so I asked Toby, I said, so can I depreciate that property once it's inside the trust? He says, no, but why would you want to? You just got 100% tax write-off for it. So what I do with all the properties we own 
is I go to all my multiple properties and I take a piece of depreciation, a piece of depreciation, a piece of depreciation across all my properties. And I add that all up and I weigh it against my income from all my other LLCs until I have a zero, right? That's essentially what we're doing at the end of the year. I go, amazing. I'm at a zero. That's why I don't have to pay taxes. But Toby says, why don't you just take like two or full, two or three of the properties entirely and donate them to the charity? You don't have to depreciate. You don't have to do anything. I'm like, because I had to run into somebody who knew what the freaking answer was. I wish somebody told me that 20 years ago. I wish somebody told me all this stuff a long ass time ago. Instead, when I was 16 years old, I was packing donuts at a donut factory. Gosh, damn it. What you don't know will hurt you, right? Interesting stuff. So um, Kevin Cho says, hey, Pace, do you pay the guests to speak on Zooms? Just curious. Or do, you, do they just do you a favor? No, I pay them for the most part. Um, Toby did that for me as a favor, but every time you guys see an attorney come into the sub two mentorship, I'm usually paying that attorney $1,500 to $2,500 for two hours of their time because they amplify their average rate they charge me because they know that it's going to be used over and over and over and over inside the mentorship. Um, and so they're not giving me a discount. They're amplifying their charge. So you guys have seen probably 16 or 17 Zooms with attorneys. That's cost me probably $40,000 in the last year or so to have those attorneys come in and uh, break things down for us. Um, yeah, the mural in the background is actually, um, I, I have a 25 foot wall being painted right here in my studio from the same artist. So I'm super excited. His name's Jay Valentine. Um, okay, so thank you, Zane. Thank you, thank you, Zane. I do appreciate that. And by the way, everybody that paid um, super chat money, I think I made like 30 bucks tonight. Dude, that's crazy. Thank you so much. I'm probably gonna go and buy like, more golf balls with it or some do something with it. Thank you for the $30. Thank you for everybody that supported the show tonight. I'm telling you, it's hard, it's hard to convey this. I know this is mostly surface level stuff. Um, inside my mentorship, I break it down. I show the paperwork. I show the flow. I show the steps. I answer questions live, right? Like I'll, um, usually we're doing Tuesday nights. I'll do four or five hour Zoom where my students can ask, ask, ask me questions live. And then I have five or six Zooms throughout the rest of the week. The value of what I'm teaching you guys right now on a free podcast for an hour and a half where only 450, 450 people are watching live combined between all of the streams, I'm telling you it took me six to 10 years to learn it and close to $100,000 in fees and probably close to a million dollars in taxes that I should have never had to have paid because I didn't know this stuff. So the value you're getting tonight is well over a million dollars in savings um, multiple, multiple years of your life, cutting you like years in advance so you can understand if you're just wholesaling, look, we wholesale too. We love wholesale. If you're just fixing and flipping, we love fix and flip too. If you're building homes, we build homes too. But you're missing out on the fact that you should be getting essentially free real estate by utilizing tax depreciation, accompanying that with sub two and seller finance and building a massive portfolio and not pay a freaking penny of it to the IRS. It's massive. Donovan Richard, my guy. Thank you, brother. Um, he knows that I like some sushi. So he, um, sweetheart, Laura, tell Donovan Richard, thank you. I think Donovan Richard will make well over $100,000 this month by doing deals. So if you guys, um, Aaron, uh, Adonov says, can I sub two with $0? The answer is 100%. Is every deal a $0 deal? No. But even on the deals, like there's a lot of deals we've done that are $0 out of our pocket. Not every one of them is. But the ones that are not $0 deals, we just 
borrow money from private lenders. So essentially every deal we do is $0 out of pocket. Nicholas says, I really appreciate you, Pace. I'm a new sub two student. I'm loving all the knowledge you pour out. So Nicholas, I'm going to point something out to you. You're a new student. The most important part of sub two is not Pace. Okay. It's actually guys like Donovan Richard. It's guys like Tristan Trenberth. Here he is, right? Guys that have been in the program for a long time. Um, these guys are doing deals. I've actually bought a, one of my cash flowing Airbnbs is from Tristan. Donovan Richard helps a tremendous amount of students in our mentorship program. It's not just me. Our students are doing deals with students. And that's the craziest thing is we've built one of the best mentorships. I tell all my students all the time, it is not my mentorship. It's our mentorship. It's our job to bring all these people together and to do deals with each other. My wife just gave me $4.99. Oh, my wife's trying to get laid. Check it out, guys. Look how amazing my wife is. She probably will definitely get laid. She says $4.99 for sexy time. Babe, if you you would you would definitely get laid if it was a five, a full five dollars, but $4.99 ain't gonna happen. I'm not cheap. All right. My wife's the best. Um, so anyway, everybody that's brand new, brand new to real estate, I know that a lot of this stuff sounds complicated. Um, it's not. This is all really simple stuff. What you should be doing is you should be finding my sub two students and you should be doing deals with them. You should be going to the Tristan Trendburst. You should be going to the Jeremy Davis, the, the Darren Talcott, the, 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 the Donovan Richards, all these guys and saying, please help me. I've got leads I need help with. That's one of the main reasons why I do Sunday service every single week. We've been doing it nonstop for a year and a half. And we love doing it. And the fact that we had over 450 people watching the entire time, it's amazing. And Rick Corbett, bro, you are a special kind of guy, man. I, I appreciate you. I love you. Um, Melissa Buys Home says, can you recommend an attorney or someone here in AZ that can help me create an LLC and place inside my trust? Yes, I can. DM me on Instagram. Guys, speaking of Instagram, do me a favor. Okay, I want to grow this show. I want to get this show to like a thousand people watching it live every night. It would be amazing. Do me a favor. Take a screenshot. Take your phone out. Take a screenshot of the phone. Tag me. Write Sunday service. Put it on your Instagram stories. Put it on your Facebook. Help me spread the word. Let everybody know what time it is. Um, Stanley says, I love your transactional coordinator. Yes. Um, ConstantClothes.com. That's our transaction coordinator. She's amazing. Oscar Jimenez says, new student and lots of support for the sub two family. It's, it's stupid, honestly. It's ridiculous. Like we make every other mentorship on planet earth look stupid. And that's not our goal. That's absolutely not our goal. We want people to just come into the program and, and do deals. Wow, Lorene, 20 bucks. I'm like, guys, I'm raking in the money. Lorene, thank you so much. I appreciate you tremendously. She says, blessed to be here. Thank you. Um, thank you. I do appreciate that tremendously. I am going to take my wife on a hot date with this money. Um, I recently squatted up with a sub two student. Thank you, Edward. That's what we're trying to do. We're, tr we're building a, mo a movement where my sub two family, my sub two students will help people all over the nation, wholesalers with their dead leads by squatting up and helping them get these deals done. Okay. Synaphanist. Synaphanist. 
I don't know how to say that. I'm so sorry. Can we wait to depreciate our rentals out on our taxes whenever we want, or does it have to be instantly? Um, you can wait. Um, like cost segregation, you can wait. A bonus depreciation you can wait. Um, so if you're saying, well, I don't quite make enough money to have to pay taxes anyway. Yes, you can wait a couple of years. Yes. Billy says, what are your top three exit strategies right now? Seems like you've been doing a lot of Airbnb. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, um, we used to do a lot of lease options. I'm really upset with our lease options. We thought we were really smart. We sold these lease options at really high prices. And I'm not upset. It's just crazy how the world works. Now I'm thinking, okay, these people are never going to execute these options because, um, you know, we sold them so high, right? But the reality is the freaking market went crazy the last year and a half. And so all of our people are executing their options, which is fine. We're taking that money. We're rolling it into other deals. But uh, lease options used to be our primary exit strategy. Um, we have a lot of rentals and Airbnb is what we're focusing on this year. Cody and I just had a meeting. Um, we want to have another 30 Airbnbs before the end of the year combined. And I want to have another 15 Airbnbs just by myself. So um, Airbnb is kind of the way we're planning on going because we have some people in our circle, Noah Hoffman being one of them that are really been, they've really been really helpful. Scott Jenkins. Thank you, brother. Really, really appreciate that. Thank you. So guys, I'm going to wrap this up in three minutes. I'm going to go through a couple of questions as fast as I can. D Atta says, I'm a new sub Tucson as well. Thanks so much for the info you're downloading into us. It's not just the info guys. Um, it's guys like Scott Jenkins. It's uh, Tristan Trenberth. It's all these people. It's the family, right? The family is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, DCQC says, I need contacts to squat up in New Jersey and New York. That would be Maurice Grant. He's the guy that sold that property in, in Atlanta to me. Thank you, Scott. Um, Scott says, I've squatted up with John Poindexter and Chris. I love both those guys. John Poindexter is amazing. He's also another uh, mastermind student of mine. Pace, every single time you speak on a podcast, at an event, or just anywhere, you're giving so much value. Every time I listen to you, I am bl mind blown. Thank you so much. I do see you a lot, and I do appreciate people that follow me around. Um, thank you, guys. So who's as we wrap it up, I know we, I'm starting to lose viewership, so I'll be quick. Who watches Wholesale Hotline? Who's on here that watches Wholesale Hotline every Monday, 5 p.m. Arizona time? Who watches um, Monday? Wholesale hotlines. Joe Joe says, "How do you feel about wraparound mortgages? We, I, they're fine." Pace, are you coming to Utah? Yes, I am coming to Utah. Utah is like my second home. I love Utah. A lot of people saying they live, listen to wholesale hotline. So tomorrow, guys, we'll I'll be on wholesale hotline with Jamil Damji, Brent Daniels, and uh, I appreciate you guys tremendously. Um, tremendously appreciate you guys. And uh, next week, we're going to be talking about exit strategies and breaking down one deal per week for probably the next 15, 20 weeks. That's going to be the topic is just breaking down each exit strategy on actual addresses, actual numbers. You guys can break down and understand where did the deal come from? What was our software we used? What was the text? What was the recorded call sound like? Da, 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 da. I do this for my sub two students and like way in more in more in depth share the documents with them, all that kind of stuff. But we'll do service level. And what I really want is I want Sunday service to be a place where non-students can squat up with students. So please, if you're not a student, um, bring five more of your non-students here so my students can start squatting up with you guys and doing deals together. And uh, I'll see you guys next week.